0: Welcome to Ignition, a radio show and podcast for the new evangelization. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Bergwald, and we want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. Before we get into today's topic, we want to remind you that we love listener feedback. So if you've got ideas for future episodes, questions about today's episode, please contact us. There are two easy ways to do that. One is by email, Ignition at sfcatholic.org, again, ignition at sfcatholic.org, or you can tweet us, SFDiocese, use the hashtag ignition. Again, the Twitter handle is SFDiocese, that's S-F-D-I-O-C-E-S-E, use the hashtag ignition. That's for any questions you have, any ideas for future episodes. Um, and, And the way that we began that I began, rather, uh, the, the introduction there. We want to launch your own efforts to explain the Catholic faith and to invite others to live it. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, Father Dickinson is not with me. Instead, I, have, I get to use that title again. My illustrious guest co-host, illustrious guest co-host, Renee Leach. Hi, Renee.
1: Hello, Chris. How Happy are New you? Year. Happy New Year.
0: Um... We should introduce ourselves. Okay. Do you want me to go first?
1: Sure. Okay.
0: <laughs> I, I thought maybe so. If you've never listened to Ignition before, again, I mentioned my name, uh, Dr. Chris Bergwald. I'm the Director of Adult Discipleship and Evangelization with the Diocese of Sioux Falls. Um, proud to call uh, Sioux Falls my home now with my wife, Jermaine, and our five adorable children. Right? Very good. Thanks. Very good. Uh, and you?
1: I am Renee Leach and I live in Sioux Falls. I work for the diocese in the human resources office. I'm kind of the insurance uh, person for the diocese. And I am married and have two children who are both adults and I'm patiently waiting for grandchildren at this <laughs> time, but they're probably not coming anytime soon um, if you talk to them, but. Uh, <laughs> God
0: could <so. laughs> surprise us. We'll probably talk about that at some point today.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, that's who I am.
0: Good. Good. So um, I'm going to turn, this is a really big risk I'm taking. Oh, I can't wait. I'm going to turn the controls (laughs) for this episode, for at least just this one episode, over to Renee. um, And she's going to explain what we're going to do and how we're going to do it.
1: Well, um, so our listeners know Chris lost a bet. And so he has (laughs) to turn the microphone over to me. And I get to ask the questions today of him. Um, I've spent many time... Many opportunities on the other side of the mic um, yes. being, the, being um, pummeled with questions pummeled. Um, that put me on the edge of my seat many times. And so today, what we are going to do is we are going to reverse roles, and I'm going to interview Dr. Bergwald. And he said there wasn't anything off the table. There wasn't any question I couldn't ask. But the the theme of the story today, or the show today, is what's your story, and, right. go ahead.
0: So you're not just going to pummel me for the sake of pummeling me, <laughs> there's, there's a larger purpose in mind, there, there's a good.
1: There is a good purpose in mind. Okay. There is a good purpose in mind.
0: Do you wanna talk about that purpose at the beginning or at the end, after you've pummeled me?
1: We could talk about it to begin with. Okay. Um, I, I am somebody who is very interested in the stories of scripture and I think the stories, um, the individual stories, are so important. And um, as I've done research, I've realized that we all have a story also and that our stories are very important. And um, one of the best ways that we can evangelize those around us is to tell our story Um, because sometimes um, a seeker, somebody that's new on their journey of faith gets a little intimidated by reading scripture and what it all means and how it applies. But if we can explain to them, um, how God works in our lives and, uh, the importance that he has, um, in our everyday lives, then I think that encourages them to continue to search and to pray and to ask questions.
0: Right. So much of what, um, authentic, one way, one powerful way, as you said, of, of evangelizing is by just, sharing what God has done and is doing in my own life, in our own life. Uh, The Samaritan woman at the well is an example of that to me, where John chapter four, Jesus meets this woman at the well and has this conversation, and she realizes, wow, there's something really incredible going on with this man. And she goes back and tells the people in town about this man that she met, and they go to him because of her, and she didn't get a theology degree. She's not a theologian. (laughs) <laughs> um she didn't get a certificate in catechetics she simply told about this encounter that she had she told her story
1: the encounter yep correct
0: thank so. you so i passed good
1: <laughs> <laughs> no that's, that's just the intro oh, okay
0: <laughs> so
1: so are you ready i'm ready okay um and i spent some time coming up with 20 questions for dr bergwald so we'll we'll see how far we get in here and and how much he squirms Um, (laughs) and it's not about making you squirm. It's just about um, encouraging you to open up your heart and sharing with everybody what's going on because the theology is very important, but the story is, is important too.
0: The end and the, the, the goal here is that by, um, me sharing my story through with Renee's help, asking me the questions is that you dear listener will be more able to tell your own story.
1: It'll give you courage.
0: Exactly. Okay. Okay.
1: So my first question for you is, what is your earliest memory of God's presence in your life?
0: Uh Oh, my first earliest memory of God's... Okay.
1: And and listeners, uh, he did not get to peek at the questions before we sat down, so he's taking this blind.
0: I don't know... I, honestly, I don't. Hmm, I think, I think like an awareness of the reality of God probably. I, I knew intellectually that there probably was a God, um, but I think really an awareness of someone who desired to be part of my life, who desired a real relationship with me, probably is in my early 20s, probably post reversion, as I put it. Okay. Like, I, I knew that. I believe that God was real, you know, growing up. I mean, I grew up going to church. Um, and I didn't have much of a prayer life, as I've shared before on Ignition uh, growing up, uh, but, but faithful mass attendance. So I knew God was real, but in terms of an awareness of Him in my life, mm-hmm. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but my, the first answer I was thinking, I can, I actually, I can think of, uh, St. Charles Borromeo Parish, St. Anthony Falls, Minnesota, Eucharistic Adoration. I'm about to leave the church, and, well, I had an awareness of God's presence.
1: You had an awareness of God's presence. And and how did that awareness make you feel?
0: Um, Surprised.
1: Tell me more about that.
0: Um. So particularly that the the one instance I'm thinking of right there that I just mentioned um in in at St Charles Borromeo um surprised at the uh I was being spoken to
1: You specifically I was being Chris spoken Burkwell. to Yeah and that that always so amazes me. Um, I'm a convert, and so conversion stories and reversion stories are are um, of high interest to me. Right. And it it varies so differently right. from person to person. There yep. isn't um, there isn't a, a pattern or a, or a system or it just it happens. So, randomly yep. to so many different people. So, I think that's interesting that it, that it came to you in your early 20s. Right. During. And so,
0: and I, and what, I mean, I, I, I might be being unfair to my parents and my upbringing there, um, but I don't know. I mean, that's the first thing that came to my mind. So, we might, you know, it might be two weeks from now, Renee, and I'm going to come to your <laughs> office and say, I thought of earlier. But I knew. for right now, that's what I'm going to go with.
1: Okay. So, since you brought that up, who were the people in your life that were most influenced your faith journey?
0: Uh, my parents, the priest I had growing up, and uh, in in a generally indirect way, but a real way, my dad's mom, my paternal grandmother. She taught me the Hail Mary. I remember Grandma Mary, her name's Mary, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I remember Grandma Mary teaching me the Hail Mary um, in my bedroom. I think it was a summer. It wasn't winter, I know that. Central Minnesota, it's winter for a long time. It was a winter. There was no snow on the ground.
1: So it was one-on-one time with you, Yep, with her. That's,
0: she, yep, but mom and dad, as I said earlier, we we uh, made sure that we always got to Mass every Sunday. Uh, and then the priest um, that I grew up with, and, and I'll have to tell you something about him in a minute. Um, I'm not going to share his name right now for reasons that I'll be, be clear. Um, but he was a great influence on my life. Just... Um, he in, was,
1: in what way? How was he? He, uh,
0: So he was a retired. He was actually a retired priest. I grew up in a small parish in central Minnesota. Um, and he was he was retired. He was in retirement, but he was the pastor of this small parish, uh, even in his retirement. And um, just his – and, and his, the way he would teach, you know, he would do – yeah, he was just very personal in his teaching. And the truth, I, I just – it seemed to me that the truth was important to him. Now, here's the, this is, this is uh, the, the sad, the sad thing about this priest. Um, posthumously, an accusation was made against him from before I ever knew him, mm-hmm. which apparently, which the diocese uh, that I grew up in confirmed. So he, he may very well have done things as a priest that he ought not to have done, but all I can speak to was my, so experience. my experience with him was, was nothing but good, which is, I, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm struck by that, that, that he very likely did horrible things. And yet my experience of him, he would he was a powerful influence in my life.
1: That's very interesting. Yeah. That was, and, and I, and it, it demonstrates how, um, God can, yep God can work in beautiful ways yep even, If we aren't always, yeah, with weak instruments. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Tell us about the point in your life where your faith became yours and it wasn't about Mm. going to um, mass with your parents or, but it became something that you decided to live by.
0: Uh, Fall of uh, October, 1994. So just over 21 years ago. Wow. Wow. Time goes by fast. Right, that's math. That math is right, isn't that's it? That's pretty good. Oh yeah. Oh, my Gosh, you're um, old. I am old. <laughs> Normally, that's my line.
1: I know I, I'm going y- to. I'm going to jump oh, on that anytime I can. Where's Kevin?
0: Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I was. Uh, it was my junior year in college, so dating myself a little bit there. Um, walking across campus on my way to the job that I had. Um, well, I'm not going to get into the whole story yet. It was that that that's when my faith became my own. And so I had dropped the ball, if you will, dropped the baton that mom and dad had tried to pass to me when I left home. Right. I stopped going to mass right away in college, even though we were faithful. I was a server for like eight years. Um but, Which
1: happens when kids that yep. age go to college. Yep. They-
0: exactly. It's not, but it's, it's, it's probably usual. Not, un, it's certainly not unusual. It's probably usual. I stopped going to mass immediately at the beginning of my freshman year that lasted through my sophomore and into my junior year till I, till my reversion started. So there was a gap there of what, two plus years um, before my faith really became my own and in a far deeper way than it ever had. I mean, I, I, Picked up the baton in a way i never had before which makes sense i mean i was a young adult now yep. finally not you know
1: absolutely so what happened in your life that made you pick it back up
0: uh so um i went to college um with god has certainly much more with, with other people but god Some of the gifts that God has given me uh, have to do with intellect. And so I did well in high school. Um, And so I went to college um, in a good program uh, and with a ton of scholarship money. Didn't have to take out any loans. um, And I, like the prodigal son in the parable, threw it all away, Um, through basically through laziness in hindsight, as a result of my not practicing my faith at all, but through just complete, like just slothful laziness, threw away all of that. I was squandering the gifts I was given um, intellectually and therefore the gifts I was given monetarily um, uh, as a result of that. Uh, And so I had to, I mentioned earlier, I was walking across campus to my job. I alluded to that. I had to start working. I had to start, I mean, I had to start work because I I was completely, the the image I always use is I was adrift. I didn't know where I was going. I had some interests, but I wasn't really motivated to do the things it took to accomplish those interests in terms of my studies and so on. So I was really just aimlessly adrift. Um, And I think that's why I was ready for the word. When it came.
1: And how did that word come to you?
0: Through two evangelical Protestant missionaries on campus who stopped me as I was walking to work and asked me if I would join them for Bible study. And this was not the first time that question had been posed to me. Um, But truly, I believe by the grace of God in that moment, I said yes. Um, And so started meeting with them. And, and just, um, they, they were posing questions to me that I, when were you saved? Oh, <laughs> I said, I gave the right an answer. I said, by my baptism, which is, which is true, um, at least in a, in a way, partially true, at least. Um, and, and, so just through that, they, just, they awoken me a desire to ask questions. And so I started, well, why I was raised Catholic. Why? What? why that's, that's be as you know that's become my question why mm-hmm. so my question directed to the catholic church first and foremost is basically a one big why
1: i find that interesting do you think if it would have been a catholic group that approached you at that time if would have you been as open to it or was there less threat
0: ah uh, i think so at that t- you know today we have things like focus and so on right um, if two focused we missionaries, we, we do it better now. We do it better now. If two focused missionaries had in October of 1994 asked me if I wanted to give to Baldwin, I think I may have said yes. They didn't identify. I asked. I asked them if it was non-denominational, and they said yes. They were sneaky. Um, <laughs> they said yes. It was non-denominational. I didn't ask if it was a Catholic Bible study, but I guessed, I mean, these are two guys asking me for a Bible study. They're probably not Catholic at that time. Um, so I was pretty sure it was. I was told it was non-denominational. I think I would have been open to it. I think I would have been if they were two Catholics. But but I don't know how, because they were at least implicitly and then more directly challenging the faith that I was raised in, I don't know if I would have been as quick to start asking why about Catholicism as I had been because they were evangelical Protestants. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I, I find it interesting that, first of all, your reversion came about as the result of an invitation,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which mm-hmm. I think is key. Uh, you are, yes, yes. Key is um, is the invitation, you know, kind of demonstrates for all of us how important our invitation is to those around us and, that's, and how we don't have to go around thumping people in the head with the Bible. We just have to invite them to attend and invite them to come with us and invite them to the studies and the... Yep and the events and the things that are going on and how powerful that is to somebody who's feeling kind of lost and not sure where they're going on that journey.
0: I, I, I'm so glad. I didn't think about that until you said it. I don't know if I've ever thought about that until you just said it. But all they did was ask me to come to a Bible study. Right. They didn't say, have you been saved at that time? you know, Those sorts of questions came later. But the, all they asked was, do you want to come to a Bible study?
1: And, and what, what I think is so interesting about that is... I'm a convert, and for me, it was Catholic students on my college campus who were inviting me to different events and to participate right. in different things right. and inviting me to church, and I was lost and on my own. And so, um, you know, that, that invitation is so important. Right. That is invitation is so important. Um. What else do you want us to know about that time?
0: <laughs> um, so, I um, a, a couple of things for so it, they started to challenge, again. I've been not practicing my faith for some time, um, not going to mass. I obviously, hadn't been to confession for a few years.
1: How long did you go to Bible study with them?
0: Uh. Two, three times, it became pretty clear pretty quickly. It was not a non-denominational Bible study, <laughs> contrary to what they said.
1: Okay, they
0: weren't. They weren't like uh, deceitful or anything like that. They were well-meaning, um, but but they were. They, it was they,
1: definitely were, not Catholic, right?
0: It was definitely they. They were definitely trying to evangelize, and they were doing so as evangelical Protestants, right? So they didn't. I mean, they they weren't trying to steal me from Catholic. I'll tell you something, maybe um, they were trying to steal me out of the Catholic Church. I wasn't really in the Catholic Church at the time. They were trying to draw me to Christ. I mean, they they had good intentions that way. Um, but we were meeting, and it was clear. I, mean, I, I knew enough about my Catholic faith to know that the, some of their views didn't quite line up with what I'd been taught growing up. And so I re- – okay, so here's something. I reached out to my confirmation instructor ah. um, and asked and said, this is what's going on, Phil. Um, he was also from a small town. He was also my dentist and a permanent deacon in the parish. <laughs> so this is what's going on. Um, and he recommended some books to me. And I started, I used to say I read my way back into the church. Since I, there was a lot more going on under the surface than I realized. Um, actually, Phil, years later, pointed that out to me. He's like, no, you didn't. What do you mean? But I did do a lot of reading. I was wondering why. So I wanted to get answers. Um, and very early on, I, I went to confession um, and started going back at least to Sunday mass uh, on, on a regular basis Uh, and I started really for the first time in my life having a regular prayer life um, in terms of daily I started to pray daily apart from blessing before meals for the first time in my life
1: in your 20s yeah what did that look like
0: uh What did that look like? I think early on, I was learning. uh, So I knew some of the standard. I told you my grandma taught me the the Hail Mary. I knew the Our Father, the Glory Be, Um, but some of the other, the rich treasury of prayers. I think early on, a lot of it was, you know, learning a lot of prayers that I didn't know. But that, I mean, you know, that I was there's that treasury of this Catholic spiritual tradition that I, in many ways, discovered. Not for the first. I mean, I knew parts of it, but the depth of it, I discovered for the first time. So uh a lot of that I started to try to read and understand the Bible more. Um I know I, I don't think that was like part of my daily life at that point but that was somewhere at the beginning. You were
1: open to it. Yeah. Were were your parents aware of this?
0: Yeah, they were freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz I start of course, I'm a young man. Uh I, I was in a relationship but that ended. There's a lot of my life the, the, the uh, good guys and gals, my, my college friends were not like, you know, getting, you know, snorting cocaine or anything like that. I mean, just regular average college students. Um, but but I was going, I, this was definitely a different direction. And they, they were, you know, that happens a lot to college students, so it wasn't like for them, they weren't annoyed or anything like that. And, and, I, and we remained friends, um, uh, but I was definitely changing the way I lived. Um, and so had had a relationship, but that ended discerned the priesthood and that's where mom and dad. So I'm, you know, uh, I had, I had flunked two classes in my sophomore year. I was the valedictorian in my high school class. I hadn't seen below an A- minus since like junior high. So mom and dad, first I flunked two classes, so I changed my major. And then this happens now, I'm getting all quote-unquote religious. <laughs> um, and um, uh, and now I'm thinking about the priesthood. So mom and dad, oh, oh man, I don't know if we're gonna have time to get into the story, but I have to start, uh, give you the, the snapshot. There was somebody else in my hometown uh, who my parents had had great confidence and trust in uh, somebody who they really admired um, uh, and he, he was a surgeon who operated on both my parents and they wanted me to, you know just to visit with him to ground him um to I ground you to ground me because I'm like what's going on with their son
1: <laughs> there is a lot of praying going on, going so on right there
0: I go and have this conversation and um, oh, Paul is a great is an incredible surgeon but he would be an awesome salesman if you weren't a surgeon. Uh, and Paul uh, said, have you ever heard of Scott Hahn? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's this convert. He was a Protestant uh, Presbyterian pastor. <laughs> <laughs> have you heard of Francis University <laughs> of Steubenville? No. Oh, so this is where he teaches. <laughs> Three-hour conversation. I come home. Mom's like, so how'd it go? Mom, I'm going to go to school in Ohio. She cried. Oh. She's like, I'm supposed to... Paul was supposed to ground me. Instead, I'm now going to go like a thousand miles away to what this is funny. What I thought of the as the East Coast, um, <laughs> but, but anyway, that's another story. Oh, so there's a lot more there,
1: but there anyway. uh, lots of the stories. Yeah. So I have a I What would you? What would be your thirty second elevator pitch if you had to give it to somebody? Um, you know, obviously, you don't have 20 minutes or three hours with right. anybody. What right. would be your What would be your 30 second elevator pitch on on convincing people to take uh, a closer So again,
0: uh, all I, well, no, the only, the most powerful thing I can speak from is my experience. I was somebody who was we're all gifted in various ways. My gifts were to me pretty obvious, but I, I, I was completely adrift and aimless. Despite the gifts I had, I had no direction, no purpose in life. At the time, maybe I could have figured something out, but I really didn't. And through my faith, I I became convicted of two, uh, in in probably this order, two things. First, there is truth. There is the solid rock of truth on which I, and I know all of us can stand. And secondly, that truth is a person. Or three persons technically, father, son, and Spirit, But God, God is someone. So the truth is alive, is living, and He desires a relationship with me, and He gives me purpose and meaning to my life.
1: Awesome. The other thing that I want to highlight um, as we as we get towards the end of our talk here is that um, it takes a village. Right. Um, there were many people that were involved in your journey, and. Um, all walks of life, and I think sometimes as parents we get discouraged that we see our children who totally. are 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 maybe wandering off the path that we have set before them, and we get discouraged. And and um, it's just an example of we have to have faith that God is going to place all sorts of people in their lives that are going to have them question and and challenge them and and guide them in the right direction. Yep.
0: Yep. So okay, so is the pummeling done?
1: The pummeling... is was pretty gentle. Is done. Well, you. I didn't get to the, you know, oh, well. the 19th <laughs> That's and 20th question. I talked question. a lot so you
0: could uh, <laughs> you have time to... But I think, as you said at the beginning, the point, though, is we all have a story to tell. And sometimes it can take a while. Like some of the early questions you asked me, I had to you know, quickly think about, but I think there are good things to, for us to reflect on, the sorts of questions you did, and I know I'm sure ones that you didn't get to ask as well, but... I think the important thing is to be aware of, think about how has God worked in your life and how can you share that with others?
1: Absolutely. It makes all the difference to those that are searching for the truth.
0: Exactly. Um, Good job.
1: Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that will wrap up this episode of Ignition. Again, email us, ignition, at sfcatholic.org, or tweet to us, sfdiocese. use the hashtag Ignition, with any thoughts, questions, or ideas for, for future episodes. And until next time, dear listeners, may Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. You can find archives of this and past episodes online at sfcatholic.org.